This program is produced using the resources of Public Media Network in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Learn more at publicmedianet.org. Hey, everybody. This is the Share Prosperity Kalamazoo podcast, episode 15. I'm your host, Kevin Ford, Share Prosperity Kalamazoo coordinator for the city of Kalamazoo, joined always by the magnificent Melody Dakin, who just came back from India. What's up, Mel? Hello. My speaker isn't working, but can you guys hear me in there? Yep. Okay. We can't hear you. Yep. Right. Mel just came back from India. Um, crazy enough, not tanned, just as white as ever, but we still love her. <laughs> I love y'all too. Cool. Give me some shit. We're gonna we're gonna hop right in since we got uh two special guests with us that have to have a hard stop at two. Um Francis Bicioso, co-director of Truth, Racial Healing, and Transformation, and Jen Haymoss, Vice President of Initiatives and Public Policy, both from the Kalamazoo Community Foundation. Thank you all. Thank you for here. having Thank us. You. Yep. So the TRHT framework, for those maybe unaware, is inspired by truth and reconciliation processes that have taken place all over the world and addresses issues ranges from ranging from cultural to more tangible transformations in institutions and policies. So we'll get into some of that and how it affects families um, in our community. Um, and so just as an intro, tell us a, a little bit about yourselves. Any one of y'all can go first. You know, I, I always go first every time I'm in any meeting. So, you know, I got to start with the hello, friends. Hello, friends. Um, Francis Vicioso, personal pronouns are she and they. As in, man, that Francis, she's incredible. Or, yeah, you know, Francis, they have incredible ideas. Both are fine. Um, I am, like I said, this is my, I guess, first official uh, uh, fling in philanthropy working at the Kalamazoo Community Foundation. It's been a real good time. Um, been in Kalamazoo for about two years. Moved here from New York City, where I lived my whole life. Did some education stuff, did some racial equity stuff. Um, stirred the pot, ruffled feathers, did all that stuff in that city. Now I'm doing the same here. And uh, I don't know, y'all seem to love me. so And I love y'all too. So. Yeah, good deal. And then just, just as a, a clarifying point, New York City specifically, we are in New York City. Queens. Queens, Queens get, get the, the money. Queens get the money. You already. Right there off right down a block from Jam Master J Way, the home of Run DMC. There you go. Uh the home of L O Cool J, you Pro know. Producer legend crew. legendary MCs, the absolutely. home of FUBU. Yes, absolutely. Crazy. So and we also got Jen Hamos in the house. Yeah, it's always hard to follow Francis, and yet I'm always like, you need to go first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm Jen Hamos, and I have been in Kalamazoo for a long time. I came here for school at Western Michigan University. I was a teacher in Kalamazoo Public Schools, and uh, yeah, ended up in philanthropy. I started in philanthropy at the Turn 2 Foundation, actually, so I was a program director for Jeter's Leaders. And uh, now I am here. I started in grant making at the Kalamazoo Community Foundation. And then I moved into this position uh, about seven months ago. So wow. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So that's a, that's a, she had to take 
take off, take off many heads to get to the vice president. It's like Game of Thrones no at facts. the foundation. <laughs> she sliced her way up the ladder. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> right. right. But both of you all, even though it's, it's different titles, both of you are part of that TRH team, TRHT team at the Community Foundation. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I started with the TRHT team as a community investment officer. And I, uh, with my education background and the work I've done in the community for almost 20 years now, um, I started working with the education design team, which is the team that you work with too, Kevin. Um, and Francis came on and it was like, let's go. So Hi. we got the team started again. Um, we've been working for a little over a year with the education design team. And then Francis obviously was already working with TRHT and then became co-director. Right. Like 3.2 months ago. Okay. <laughs> so... I gave like the framework of TRHT that's that's on the website. But in a nutshell, what is TRHT? Happy to give you my spiel. So TRHT is a framework that is used nationally, like you mentioned. It's based on truth telling and reconciliation that occurs around the world. But this particular model was developed out of the Kellogg Foundation by Dr. Gail Christopher. She got a bunch of her peeps, about 150 folks, brought them to California and was like, All right, how do we make equitable, permanent, sustainable transformation in communities. They came up with a bunch of stuff, and at the end of that weekend, they had the TRHT framework. So um, the framework is a hyper-local focus, so every community implements it differently. Um, there are five pillars of narrative change in the form of truth-telling, racial healing, which is much more than race. It's more about finding the commonalities between us and how we're more the same than we are different. And then the three pillars of transformation in the areas of law, economy, and separation, which is how we're separated. That includes our education team, it includes housing, and includes health. Now, every site implements it differently. Some folks focus on one pillar. Here at Kalamazoo site, we focus on just about all of them. Um, and yeah, I just think it's dope because it involves the creation of a local coalition of orgs in every community that this is implemented in. So the community is directly involved and the community does, does some visioning and is like, all right, what do we want to see? They come to the organization that's hosting TRHC or implementing the framework and then we get it going from there. So that's what it looks like. Okay. What did our community say that we wanted to see? Anything in addition to the five pillars? Yeah. So within the five, so the five pillars kind of dictate the overall framework and every issue usually falls in between one of those. Mm -hmm. So some of the issues that were identified were housing disparities. So housing, of course, you know, is ways that we're separated. We know the history between, behind uh, Kalamazoo and it's redlining that continues until this day. Um, they focus on education equity. So something that you, Kev, me, Jen, we're all working on too on the ed design team. They focused on areas like uh, trust between law enforcement and community. Mm -hmm. and how there's always been a breach of trust there and how do you um, change policies to make them more equitable in community to make community members feel safe. And that's just a handful of the topics. And overall, just healing. The community just needed healing. There's a lot of historical harm that has been done to black and brown folks in the city of Kalamazoo. Um, not just that, not just in terms, of, not just uh, race being the, I guess, the scale here, but also like folks of different socioeconomic um um, levels, folks of different ability levels, like there's all been harm across all these marginalizations. So a lot of the conversations were around healing, like how do we make it a community that works together? 
mm-hmm. instead of working separately? And how do we uh, support folks who are doing the work as opposed to trying to come up with something new? And how do we get folks to understand that there are already people doing work? You ain't got to take something new out the box. Just support the folks that are already doing the work. I mean, because, you know, the famous saying is, if you want to go fast, you go by yourself. Right. If you want to go far, you go together. And I think that the city of Kalamazoo could do some real big things if they work together. And I'm seeing it happen, and it's beautiful. But unfortunately, when you talk to any person out here, they talk about the siloing mm-hmm. as the major issue in Kalamazoo. Like I said, I'm seeing it change, and I love that. But there's still so much of it that you ain't even got to live here long to see it. I lived here for like six months, and I was like, ooh, this yeah. is a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I had a question about TRHT. Just oh, does it ahead. live inside of the community foundation? The community it could live inside any organization, but because the communicate community foundation had an interest or values that matched that, they were like, "Okay, come under." I love that it. you asked that. Actually, yeah. So initially, Kellogg connected with fourteen community foundations across the country to host the program. So they were like, "All right, like y'all are community foundations, and the point of a community foundation is to get money mm-hmm. from donors, grow money, and then give money right to the community." So community foundations ideally should be connected to the community and the community needs. So they asked fourteen sites including the Kalamazoo Community Foundation. There are three others in Michigan as well. There's one in Flint at the Greater, uh, the Greater, I'm sorry, the Kalamazoo, the Community Foundation of Greater Flint. There's one in Battle Creek and there's one in Metro Lansing. But not all of the sites have stayed within community foundations because sometimes they just weren't a good fit. Mm -hmm. Some community foundations are less connected to their communities than others. So here at the Kalamazoo Community Foundation, they saw the need to host TRHT and continue to use its funds to grow our endowment to make sure that the like we didn't just get started and then die out because of lack of funding. We they've been helping us work to do this work so it's sustainable. So we're able to still have jobs. So we're able to still support the community and grow our endowment. So we don't fizzle out like a lot of organizations doing this equity work. So we're lucky to still be here because other places are not. And other sites have not been supported historically by their community foundations. And the way that we look at TRHT at the Kalamazoo Community Foundation is as a signature initiative. So we talk a lot about like our initiative work. And this is one that is like a highlight, a focus. It's really important to our to our mission at the Kalamazoo Community Foundation. Nice. Great. Sweet. Did you have another question? Not right now. I'm just thinking. I'll have more. I don't know. <laughs> Considering the idea of silos in our community indicates there are many efforts, many folks involved in, in different lanes of work. What makes TRHT um, important for families in our community? Um, so I can speak to Truth, Racial Healing, and Transformation Kalamazoo specifically. Because as I said, every site implements the framework a little differently. But here we've kind of pl- we've kind of played three major roles. So we tend to be a catalyzer. So catalyzing work that already exists. So how do we support folks that are already doing the work? Because we don't need to take something new out the box, right? Uh, we're a connector, where we connect folks that are doing the work with resources that could be funding. It could be uh, people power, capacity, technical assistance. 
And we're also a convener. So some of our teams, like the education design team specifically, is a convening of folks around the, the sector. So we have everything from early childhood to post-secondary attainment. I'm talking about trade. I'm talking about adult literacy. I'm talking about um, multi-generation approaches to education. We convene all those folks so everybody knows what's happening. Mm-hmm. And the, the convening role really helps to take the silos down. So, for example, if I know SPK has... Uh, you know, initiatives around multi-generational approach. So does the uh, Kalamazoo Literacy Council, right? So automatically there's some connections to be made. So now it's not like, well, I don't really know what's happening over there. Now I can be like, oh, we, we're airing out all that we're doing and coming up with ideas together and working collaboratively. So I, I, I'm hoping that TRHT Kalamazoo continues to be this convener of folks so we can showcase just modeling that we don't have to be a direct service organization. We don't got to come up with something new. We don't have to start a new initiative. We can just be like, oh, say less. Council Literacy Council is doing a thing. Let's support them and the work that they're doing and bolster them and mm-hmm. connect them with what they need just so we can continue to repair those relationships and community. Anything to add, Ms. Amos? No, Francis is so good at this. <laughs> I think... Um, <laughs> One one thing that does come up with the siloing, because I've been in the community for so long, and my work was in education and youth development with families, um, is that it's, it's similar to something Francis said about not trying to start something new. And that was really important with um, bringing our education design team back up and running, bringing people together. Um, it's not... It's not like oh, well, we have this great idea. What do you all think? It's like, what do you all want to do? And how can we make sure we help you grow that? Or if you feel like you aren't getting support to do that, how can we all support you in that? What does that look like? How does it look like countywide? Um, those are a lot of the questions that we're asking. So the a really important piece of um, especially the work we're doing with the education design team and talking with these orgs that are doing direct service is not, we think you should do this, which happens so often to organizations. It's what do you, what do you see? What do you, what do you see as the need? And we're here to listen and figure out how to amplify your voice on that. Right. I think it's important to highlight too, Jen, thanks for highlighting that. Um, It's nothing without, nothing about us without us. Right. So, Jen and I are no longer teachers. We were in a past life, Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm not, (laughs) I'm not a teacher anymore. I've never been a teacher at KPS. Tim was a teacher many years ago. Times change. So how do you get folks that are doing the work directly to start making decisions that are going to help them or change things countywide where they have a direct voice and all of that? Mm-hmm. So I think that's that, that's like the main reason why we bring them together because the answers are in the room. Right. Like Kalamazoo has everything that it needs right here in this community. Um, we just got to talk to each other more to get those ideas out. Yep. You all mentioned you were teachers and um, how long you've been doing this stuff. But what, how did you all become passionate about this work? I can, I can start with that. I, this feels like such a perfect culmination of a career for me for um, where I'm at right now, right? Because it's not the end (laughs) of Mm -hmm. my career, but just starting working, well, living in Kalamazoo, living in downtown Kalamazoo, going to school, becoming a teacher myself when I was still really young. I was 22 when I started teaching um, at Kalamazoo Central High School. And um, coming from a similar background as my students that I was working with and just seeing 
how much is is put on teachers to do at school um and what i learned in my time is like you can't do it yourself so don't have that savior mentality um figure out how to work with families how do you bring them in how do you talk to them so um in the time that i was teaching i was also working for different community programs that worked with families um and that was just something weird about my personality, right? Is I want to work like 10 jobs at a time. <laughs> and I'm trying not to do that anymore. But I was working in the schools. I was working with families um, through prevention works, doing strengthening family programs uh, when I was really young. And just learned how important that is and how important it is to build an intersectional lens, which led me to my work um, for my master's at Western. I studied sociocultural uh, foundations of education, looked at social justice and education, learned all about like the history of, of public education and was like, what do you do? Like, how do you break that down? What do you do systemically? And always it moved from like individual to thinking about like your sphere of influence to then thinking about systems and how much systems impact people. Um, where as a teacher, I was reacting to things when something or a policy had already been set. Mm -hmm. So then it's like, well, what do we do? And it's like, when you get to when I got to this point, it's like we can influence from the other side now. And what does that look like to do that and take all of this experience, all this lived experience, all this career experience and figure out what it looks like to influence systemically, which is why I was so drawn to TRHT um, because of the focus on systemic change. Like, how do you do that in a system that was established in the industrial revolution when it comes to education has been here for so long. Yeah. All these expectations have been here for so long. How do you do that? So there is that piece that drew me to TRHG and also in my own work in anti-racism um, that I've been doing for a long time. There's been all these stumbles and learnings and, and all of these things over the years, but I had never thought about healing ever not until I worked with TRHT. And mm -hmm. I think that that was um, a really important piece that sometimes when you're in the work and you're an organizer and you're pushing for these things, you're like, change, 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 and fight, and fight, and there's not healing ever. And um, that was something that that was so important as I was growing in my, um, my own. Again, I'm still on the journey. You're never done, because if you say you're done, then I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> like, <Right. laughs> um, but the healing piece uh, came up in TRHT and has been like instrumental in my in my own work. That's funny. You know, when if you say you're done, then uh, actually you're just probably causing harm. Probably. <laughs> right. right. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, Jen's history is so much different than mine. But similarly, we both started teaching at age 22. So I started teaching at 22 years old as well. I taught in Southeast Queens um, in, uh, what is that, Cambridge, St. Albans, um, Queens or whatever. Not too far from Hollis, not too far from where I grew up. And I saw that um, it was an educational desert. Mm -hmm. um, in New York, there's... Well over 300 high schools, there's thousands of elementary schools and middle schools. There's so many. It, it doesn't look like it looks here. So everybody goes to the same high school. No, you actually get to choose from 300 high schools in New York. Some of them are for some of them are local only. But I went to school all the way in Brooklyn. I went to Brooklyn Technical High School, one of the best high schools in the city. I tested to get in. And there was a lot of conversations around testing and why testing wasn't actually a good measure of things. Because, no, I wasn't the perfect student, but I was really good at taking tests, right? So when I came back to my community after I had uh, <laughs> flunked out of college, um, <laughs> after I had flunked out of college, I came back to my community, and I was like, yo, like, what do I do? How can I support? So I started with doing, like, small, like, uh, STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math 
uh, activities just with like local community centers. I was like, yo, like I learned this thing in college. I learned robotics. Like, can I do robotics with y'all? And they were like, oh, so we don't have any money. And I was like, okay, we can make like rubber band boats. <laughs> can you buy me some rubber bands and some, and the little trays from the vegetables at the supermarket? And they were like, sure. And, you know, we did things like building foil boats and we talked about, you know, uh, hydrodynamics and buoyancy. And we talked about tensile structure and, uh, and ten, uh, tensile stress and tensile structure and, you know, trusses and all this other stuff and bridge building with some toothpicks and some modeling clay. And, and that's how I started. Um, I got my, I guess my big break at, when a local charter school opened and I was like, all right, Joe, I want to teach robotics. And he was like, so we have no money, but we need someone to teach science. And I was like, cool. I've watched the magic school bus a few times. We good. So, um, but he understood that I had a passion for wanting to reach kids. And I was like, if you're hiring me, you're hiring a big kid. I'm gonna try my best to be professional, but I'm really wilding out most of the time. He was like, cool, <laughs> but we have carpets in the classroom. So just be mindful as I say less. <laughs> so I started doing science lab from there. Like I just started picking up more things from other teachers. I started, I migrated into teaching math for a long time and working at the charter school, honestly, we became one of the best schools in the area, but um, it left out so many. So we would do the lottery system and I saw thousands of people show up and we only had slots for kindergarten because everything filled up already. And they would call out the, I don't know, 40 names for kindergarten and you see 500 people leaving the building crying. Mm. Um, lots of black parents, lots of black children just leaving upset talking about now we got to go to PS whatever. And they were just so disappointed because they saw the facility, they saw the building, they were like, wow, this is incredible. Like they have computers and they have this and that. And the heartbreak I saw every lottery season was the worst, you know, even just talking about the lottery system and making sure that, you know, children weren't being filtered out unfairly. And then talking about recruitment at other schools, building programs at the other local schools. So I just started doing my, I guess my equity work really came from realizing that not everybody was lucky enough to get a good education everywhere. And, you know, even the funding looks different in New York City and everything just looks real different. And I was like, what, like, what can we do? So I started working with local schools and trying to figure out their admission policies and what are y'all offering and what do y'all have budgets for and what can you implement from there, I started talking to teachers about, like, teachers in my own school building on the low, though, because I didn't want to get fired or whatever, but talking <laughs> about more equitable practices, like disparities between uh, discipline, between, and mind you, we ain't have no white kids. Right. So I'm talking about, like, even light-skinned kids compared to darker-skinned kids. Like, we at, we got down to the nitty-gritty of anti-blackness mm -hmm. um, and talking about that. Like, why are you letting him off the hook but not letting him off the hook. Like, yeah. what's up with that? And really connecting the dots and showing, like, I guess my own version of disaggregated data, right? Just looking like, okay, so in this class, this kid got suspended five times and this kid got suspended twice. Like, what's what are the commonalities here? Just, like, collecting my own data because the school officials weren't about that. From there, that led to me just doing more advocacy work. Eventually, there, the way that they did things didn't line up with the way I did things. And then I was just fun employed for, like, a year. Then I moved to Kalamazoo where... I walked into a one place webinar and a one place like workshop and they were talking about foundations of grant writing. I was like, I don't know how to write a grant, but I want some money. Um, <laughs> and I was like, okay, Reagan, like what, what, what do I do? I want to do these things in education. So right. what do I do? And she was like, well, you know, here's some resources. I was like, okay. So I went on Facebook events and went to every education event there was in Kalamazoo. Yeah. Every one. 
I met everybody yeah. in like the first two months before the pandemic. And I just kept following up. I applied for an internship at TRHT while I was fun employed. And um, they were like, cool. They were like, oh, I see you passionate. So they hired me full time as a coordinator. And I became a manager and now I'm co-director. And I really get to do this education thing all the time. And I get to professionally ruffle feathers every day and call people out on the nonsense. And they pay me for that. And you know what? What a blessing to be paid to talk nonsense every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let us pause on that. And this is mm-hmm. like a dream. <laughs> oh, wow. You're paid to start trouble. Right. Good trouble. Good trouble. Let's, let's quote John Lewis on that one. Like, good yeah. trouble, honey. Okay, well, Mel and I can only only dream at this point. <laughs> we trying to. We're trying. Yeah, we trying to throw some rocks it's in okay. the water. It's okay to ripple. have some big trouble on the uh, some good trouble on the low. That's how we get started, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you all mentioned the design teams. Could you tell us more about the TRHT design teams? Yeah, sure can. So. Currently, we have about eight design teams and projects. So some of our design teams have yielded projects that have kind of become their own teams. So under the area of, under the pillar of truth-telling, so narrative change, we have our narrative change arts team uh, led by Yolanda Lavender of Soul Artistry. And they are a convening of BIPOC and, Bi, you know, and people who want to support BIPOC artists. So even just... Um, even just like the Arts Council, um, BACC, the KIA, all those larger art institutions and local independent artists, they convene and they talk about how do we how do we support BIPOC artists here? How do we show that BIPOC artists have something to contribute and have contributed things to Kalamazoo's art uh, history, right? So that's the narrative change arts team. We have a narr- we had a narrative change education team where they talked about working with schools. And this is still a plan that's in progress, but, you know, everything in its own time, just working on um, looking at curriculum in schools and making sure that the education piece accurately reflects what actually happened in Kalamazoo. You ever went downtown to right outside Burdick's and they had that little statue? You ever read that thing? You ever read the pillar outside of it? Some nonsense talking about like, well, settlers came in and they saved Kalamazoo. And I was like, oh, so you mean you kick people out? What is (laughs) happening? Like, Literally, that's a narrative change, right? So you have the narrative that people came into Kalamazoo to support folks when they actually ran them out of town, Mm -hmm. slaughtered them, removed them, you know, exiled them from their own land. Mm -hmm. So that that, that's what we talk about when we talk about narrative change, accurate truth telling. We have a racial healing cohort. So again, we have a a cohort of practitioners and practitioners in training that are trained to deliver racial healing circles. And those, these circles are just deep conversations that occur where we work on talking about our common humanity and also focus on dismantling this false belief of the hierarchy of human value because we're not, we're, we don't have different value, but this hierarchy exists and it's false. So how do we bring that down? We do it through racial healing. Um, some of our other teams, and I'm probably going to miss some, so please forgive me if I do, um, but there is our law team. Our law team has law enforcement officers, folks who work at the juvenile home, folks who are doing law advocacy, policy work, elected officials. All of those folks come together to talk about law, law enforcement, the criminal justice system, all of those things, and see how we can make some equitable transformation. That team has seeded a bunch of projects, including the Kalamazoo County Alpact, which is the advocates and leaders for police and community trust. 
So that's no longer under us, but some of those members put that together. And that became that piece where they talk about police transparency and criminal justice transparency. Um, is that the whole like goal eventually is to have like somebody else manage? That's part of it. I'm glad yeah. you. I'm glad you noticed that. Good so, question. <laughs> right, great question. Yeah, yeah we we don't want to be the owners of anything. Yeah. So all of our teams are supporting other people, and if people on the team come up with a cool thing, it's like, wow, you came up with an incredible idea. I don't want it though. I want to give you the support to run with it somewhere else where you'll have more space to do that. I still, you know, I still have to note that even though we're doing this incredible work, we still work under a community foundation. We still work under philanthropy. There are still some, there's still some red tape and rules that the community foundation is working on changing on a very large scale. But while we play the long game, we got to strategize, right? Mm -hmm. So the Alpac no longer lives with us, and that's cool, um, and we love it. We have our education design team, which has broken off into different things. We're currently helping to support the racial equity cohort, which is led by Regina, Dr. Regina Nelson at Western and Sarah Carroll Muniz at Erase, and they're literally working with teachers to be able to evaluate equitable content in classrooms, so they'll be able to be like, oh, so that's racist. Don't do that. <laughs> or, hey, this promotes equity in classrooms. Do more of that. Um, some of the other teams that we have, we have a housing task force that's in conjunction with Isaac. Um, and they do real good work, and we're working on that. We have somebody from Isaac who, I'm sorry, someone from our um, housing task force, one of our leads, is actually doing housing ordinance work Um which was passed here in Kalamazoo, but also trying to spread the good word of fair housing to um, the local municipalities that are surrounding us. Um, wow, we have so many teams. Oh my gosh, I don't even know what I'm missing. Um, but yeah, that, that gives you kind of an overview of what we have going on. There's a few that I think I'm missing. Oh, how could I miss Truth Talks? Um, you know, our good brother at Genesis hosts Truth Talks, and Truth Talks came out of this idea of narrative change. Mm -hmm. How do we change a narrative in community? So he hosts a bi-weekly show on Facebook and YouTube, and we talk about um, right here in this very building. Thank you, Public Media Network. This office is real cool. Make sure I check that out. Shameless plug. Um, but he hosts some community members. We talk about things that affect the community, and many times these projects come out of Truth Talks. Mm -hmm. So Truth Talks will incite other things to happen in community. Yeah. So, um, yeah, those are just some of the things that we're working on. Um, like I said, there's more. Is there economic development there was one around was economy. One. Yeah, economy. Jen, you want to talk about that one? Yeah, I was just going to say um, that is paused right now okay. while we we were working with a grant. And so, as you know, and as many organizations know, when a grant, when your funding for a grant runs out, sometimes you <laughs> figure That's out your it. next step. So yeah. we're taking a pause to say, you know, how can this be led again by community? Um, and so that's one piece of it. In the past, I think there's been... Uh, work with youth. Um, I mean, there's like things that come, go. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have our staple design teams um, like Francis laid out. But yeah, I mean, if someone came to us and said, hey, this is an idea, you don't have this design team yet, which I think we 
actually do have all the design teams that <laughs> are part of the we pillars. We are missing one, and I'm in talks with someone to launch a new one next year, so look oh. out for that. So, um, so if community comes to TRHT and says, why aren't you all doing this? We usually, I mean, and that's a lot of the conversations that um, Francis and Emily, her co-director, have with community members. And it's like, well, this could really fit in this design team, or this fits in this pillar, so maybe we can talk about what that looks like in the future, or... This isn't anything that we do, but here are five orgs you could connect with that are doing that work already. Right. Sweet. I'm glad you mentioned the uh, the uh, economy team um, because <coughs> I think it's also important for uh, Jen says this thing all the time. So I'm gonna throw a couple of cliches all in one story, but Jen talks about the social justice pie. Mm-hmm. You take your slice. That's a Jenism. That's a Jenism. Jenism. So, well, I think she got it from somewhere else, but it's all right. We gonna okay. we gonna attribute it to Jen now. Who knows? You got to take your slice of the social justice pie and leave it the rest for everybody else. Yeah. Don't be greedy. Don't be greedy. Because everything's always on fire, right? Everything's always urgent. Yeah. So I don't have to do the same thing Kevin's doing because Kevin got it. I don't got to do the same thing Mel's doing because Mel got it. You know, I take my slice and I keep it moving. And I think it's important for you. I, I think it's important for the juice to be worth the squeeze. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, for example, the economy team, we were doing some good things. And then we realized we weren't making the most impact in that sector. So why keep squeezing if you're right. getting a couple of drops? Like, what's the point of us putting money into that and putting resources into a team that is doing good things? And then for now, it isn't because there's so many other people doing this work yeah. so how can we support other people doing economy stuff in community while we're still figuring out what our team looks like it'll make no sense for us to work to to not produce impact there's right. people at the community foundation doing really cool economy stuff and we're supporting them at the moment you know we have their our impact investment mm-hmm. we have justice hub that's going to be launched really soon like we got some cool things like trc don't need to be doing that we got our slice mm-hmm. yeah there's other slices to be had. And the pie is huge, y'all. Everybody get a slice. Oh, yeah. The, the pie is big in terms of it. just opportunities. The mm-hmm. challenges are big, too. But, I mean, it's it's just an abundance of opportunities. Right. So I, I like how you mentioned this. Is, it's made me think about sustainability in a different way, just the way that you've been describing it in this podcast today. But, like, we all have been talking about sustainability. How can we last forever? But like, is it, do we want this organization or this nonprofit to last forever? Right. You know, so I like how you guys worded it of like, that's not our work or it wasn't time for this. So we shut it down. Right. You didn't need to like go to everybody. It's emergency. We have to keep this going. Like we need it to be sustainable. Like that's our work. I feel like we I, I mean, I just kind of opened up my eyes a little bit thinking about that. Like, we don't need to all ask forever. <laughs> That's strategic right. thinking right there. Yeah. Strategic thinking. That's what it means to be strategic, to say no to a bunch of stuff. So whatever is left, it's like we, it's full core press mm-hmm. going in on that. that and so part. Because it's, yeah, it's a bunch of fires that are burning that will emerge, a bunch of shiny objects. Well, that's how yeah. you burn out, right? Like exactly. You just keep, yeah. I mean, you got EDs burning out in every right. town every all over, yeah. not just Kalamazoo, but I mean, that's how you burn out in three to four years, which I have done, right? Like, yeah. we talk about that a lot. Um, I know there was that read that was coming out of um, 
one place with the Nature Center looking at emergent strategy, and I talk about Adrian Marie Brown all the time. But she literally talked about it like two hours ago, <laughs> y'all. <laughs> but it's thinking about the danger of being a charismatic leader, too, because that's how you burn out, because you yeah. like feel all the pressure to have to do everything and be the yeah. person who does it, and when the person leaves, all of the work they did leaves with them. Right. And you don't want that to happen. You want it to be something that is like systemic, yep. that everyone mm-hmm. knows, that's sustainable, and that's something that we... A new talk system. about quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, a new system. Right. So the system continues in the private sector and startups. It's, a, it's a called founder syndrome. Mm-hmm. Got that good charismatic leader. And it's like, yeah, it burns uh, brightly and it, intently in the early stages. But then it goes out. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, what happened to that thing? So You know what, though? There, there's something to be said about that collaboration piece, right? So like me, you, Mel... Jen, we all working on the thing. If I leave, y'all still working on the thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? So when you start listening to community, and you start listening to folks around you, and you're like, yo, I want to do this thing. If you're doing it by yourself and you have, like, all this stress on you, how is it ever going to be sustainable? Yeah. There's no way. Right. And it, it adds to that healing piece. So you could collect. If one of us is down, the other ones can can kind of prop them up. Right. As um. The, the famous line from Jay-Z, nobody will fall because we'll all be each other's crutches. Facts. And that's just not a common way to look at all of this in the nonprofit industrial complex and all of that. Like, it's yeah. it's like, it's on this person. They got to go get all these grants. They got to yeah. do all this stuff. I mean, it's just so, there's so much pressure put on individuals when it is systemic, collab- there's systemic issues that can be addressed with collaboration yeah uh, individuals and then individual organizations mm-hmm. i found yeah, so it's, it's this one organization it's like oh yeah well they do that so they should be doing they should be the ones doing that but it's i mean we know the facts of it's, it's no one single organization or effort or initiative that's going to solve all of our community's challenges so it's like yeah we got a couple housing agencies or we got this group looking at that um, yeah, no one organization is going to be able to do it. And so it behooves us to, like, how can we work better together? And that may be, you know, putting some things on pause. It may be killing some other things. It may be just slowing down because bureaucracies meet with bureaucracies. And it's like, oh, it's a, it's a hot mess. So it's right. like, how can we... You know, and that's just base layer. I, I'm I'm speaking just from my observations in in my work with. That's just the base level. Then you add on the inequities, and it's like, oh, you all haven't had that equity conversation, have you? Mm. I can tell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so right. now we we have you know we about to sign these marriage papers, and y'all don't have a clue on what that <laughs> looks like. Right. So right. yeah, it's just it's just it's people work at the end of the day. I found, and it's like you gotta you gotta deal with people on that level and have those conversations. So, I think it's um I think it's a great asset to our community to have not just that TRHT, but you all in particular, um, as well as the team. I know they're not here, but shouts out to uh, Ebony Hemphill and Emily Olivares as the TRHT uh, team now, and also you know what. Shout out to Shalana Lewis. Big shout out to Shalana Lewis. Is in the great in Chocolate City, Washington D.C., but uh, lived in Kalamazoo. And when when TRHT first hit, um, 
our landscape, she did a lot of the heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. And, no, she uh, did all of the heavy I was lifting. Say, she did it all. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. Her and, so, and the people who she asked to support her and those yeah. who supported her, but she did everything. Yep. So we gotta we gotta yeah. pay honor. Shout to out, her. shout out to Ms. Lewis. And uh I I wish her a good journey and prosperity wherever she's at. Jen is connected to public policy. What the public policy work consists of, and as it relates to TRHT, and and how does it connect to advancing like family prosperity? So with TRHT, we have uh, our different focuses with our design team. So what we do with our public policy work is track. We're just trying to be in the know, like, all the time. And there are two design teams that are doing a lot of that right now. Well, we have three. is the housing design team. They look at, again, those local housing ordinances, talking about that. With the law design team, we're looking at criminal justice transparency. Uh, We actually were working with uh, Michigan Center for Youth Justice on juvenile, um, like, on youth criminal justice transparency, which it seems like they're the same, but there's a lot of separate things to think about there that impact families. At the design team, we're looking at any policies that um, are, well, we were looking at a couple. So (laughs) we're trying to narrow it down, but we're looking at mental health supports for youth. That's a big piece. We're looking at disrupting the school-to-prison pipeline, like what are things that are, um, or policies that are coming out that are either disrupting or lending to um, more youth, uh, especially black and brown youth, being put into those systems as young as um, third grade or younger. It happens, it starts in the school sometimes with the disciplinary policies. We're also looking at um, the disparate rates of literacy uh, between young uh, students in Kalamazoo County and what you can do to disrupt some of, I mean, and all of that ties back into the the school to prison pipeline. Like Mm -hmm. all of that is together um, with those literacy rates. So those are all things we're tracking. Again, we track local, anything that's happening locally. So you have some legislation that's coming um, and it's from the state of Michigan, but it trickles down locally around dyslexia and how that is uh, diagnosed in schools and like the hoops that people have to jump through to mm-hmm. get supports that they need. Um, we're looking at right now some advocacy around the <coughs> rates. It just came out in a in a recent study from Poverty Solutions at the University of Michigan, yeah. looking at the rates of unhoused youth uh, who are who were formerly unhoused or currently. Uh, who are impacted by suspension and expulsion. Mm-hmm. Like, why is that? And what needs to be put in place as a protective factor to advocate for those youth and families that have to deal with um, due processes and all of those things that happen in the school system. So um, we have our issues. We're, we try to stay on top of those. We were doing a lot of tracking around um, the anti-critical race theory legislation and how that impacts teachers and how that impacts the truth-telling that mm-hmm. you can do in history. Um, yeah. And what I have seen that as, I'm still tracking it, it's still important to know our message around that, which is that history is important, all the history. <laughs> um, representation is important. Uh, but we're looking at how that can be a distraction sometimes. You have things coming through policy that are around um, school vouchers, that are around school funding, all of the all of that theater that happens around critical race theory takes away from funding models and having a new funding model that could more positively impact youth. So mm-hmm. that's a lot of what we are looking at. And on the Kalamazoo Community Foundation side, because our focus is education and equity, so much of that intersects with what we look at. 
Yep, mm-hmm. no doubt. Not to mention, I, I just want to quickly plug um, TRHT and Jen's involvement with the Michigan Ed Justice Coalition doing that work, the same work that she's talking about in education statewide, really focusing on school funding, um, because ultimately it all comes down to funding. Yeah, so um, just money. working on um, making statewide connections and coalition building, mm-hmm. building coalition around, you know, rallying around policy and policy change and really getting the folks going, right? Yeah, even locally, when you look at upcoming school board elections across all the districts in the county, what does that look like? Yeah. How do you run for school board? If you're a parent who's like, man, I've been really interested in this, but I can't find something to support me in that, um, how can Michigan Ed Justice Coalition and TRHT's work there support a parent who's like, what do you do? Like, mm-hmm. I'm mad, I or I have passion around something, I want to be able to impact it. Um, how can we bolster support for right. even individuals who are like, how do I do this? Mm-hmm. What is um, the the next, uh, in your opinion, uh, both of you, are, what's, what's the next evolution or stage of TRHT's work? Uh, I love this question. Um, the stage that we're moving into, there's a couple of things. Um, one, the modeling and supporting uh, sustainable, healthy, human-paced nonprofit leadership in Kalamazoo. So modeling that with our shared leadership model, but also um, supporting executive directors and export and supporting other nonprofit leaders, activists, advocates, and getting that work, getting the, the work of equity done, but in a way that doesn't burn people out. Um, it also looks like the next phase also looks like immense healing, um, reconciliation, right? Recognizing where TRHC and our larger organization of the Kalamazoo Community Foundation has caused harm in community, mm. examining that, building trust within a community and building trust with organizations and honestly just creating like, listen, people who know me don't, they know I'm not that, kum, they know I'm not about that kumbaya, but there has to be a level of kumbaya here. There has mm-hmm. to be a level of working together. So I want you to tell, you know, I, we need to figure out like, where have we done wrong? Mm-hmm. Where have we not supported folks? Where is there a shift in perception? Where are there people thinking like, TRC, they, they ain't about this life. Right. How do we show them that we're about it, right? Yeah. And I can't control the narrative in people's brains, but I, all I can do is show and prove, mm-hmm. right? So show up, continue to support folks, heal, and then evolve and deepen our relation and form some new relationships and really be, I guess, the steward of racial healing and healing in general in Kalamazoo County. I think that's the next phase. I think Shalana really put together, I guess, the base mm-hmm. and the the movement and the fire. Yeah. And I think right now we're taking a step back and watching the fruits of her labor and just reinforcing it and making sure that we are creating those partnerships and keeping those partnerships that she created mm-hmm. and to make them everlasting. Mm-hmm. Sweet. And when I so relate with just being at the city, like I feel like we don't do any of, we don't ever look back at what we did wrong. And there just isn't space for that. We're moving so fast and what, there's always fires being put out. And I'm in like a, a little cohort right now with Kevin talking about snow clearing um, through Bloomberg. And we're having, we're looking at sidewalk clearing uh, for a year in breaking down like 
tiny, tiny details. And it just makes me think like, I'm already getting bored and I already want to move on to the next thing. And I'm like, well, that's a check. You got to slow down because we're really going to look at this issue, even though it's tiny and minute. But it makes me think of, did we, is there reconciliation over when the National Guard came to town two years ago? Like, and uh. I, like that. And I don't want to, this isn't for that, but I'm just giving an example of like, did we, is the community are we okay with how that ended up? Do we still need reconciliation around that, even though it happened a while ago? The answer is yes. Well, and it's funny you say that because I was at a community meeting and, um, you know, everyone was kind of dancing around different things and, mm-hmm. and no one will ever say it. Oh, so the I dance. Was, the dance. So I stood up and I was like, hey, you know, I haven't, wor- I haven't worked at the Kalamazoo Community Foundation or TRHT for that long, but if y'all, like, if you have an issue, you want to talk about it, like, let's do it. I'm here. Yeah. And just so you know, I just said, I just feel like someone needs to say it and it'll be me. So let's do it. And then I had eight meetings that I had to have. But <laughs> I mean, it's important. It's important. It's important to look, to look back, not stay stuck in that, figure out what do we have to do to move forward? And that's so much of it is moving slow <laughs> to move fast. Mm. And so much of this work when it comes to um, truth, racial healing, transformation, anti-racism, anti-oppressive work, it's like, we got to go. We got to go all the time. But it's like, but and so risk it. Yes. You got to just take a you minute. You can't. You gotta and it's so it. uncomfortable to you sit. You got to <laughs> quote Doc, Dr. Joanne Mundy. You got to hurry slowly. Oh, yeah. Oh, you got to yeah. hurry slowly. Yep. <laughs> and, that's, and that's what it is, y'all. Like, it's funny, even you mentioned the minute pieces. Like, even something as simple as, like, giving someone a look on a street. Like you and uh, so much of it comes down to miscommunication. So much of it comes down mm-hmm. to not having t- conversations, not talking about like, well, you said this about our organization. Oh, dang! Like, did I? Did, is the beef one sided, or yeah. is the beef like wh- where is where's the beef? The question. <laughs> and of is the it hour, an like, aged beef? Is it an aged? I know beef? you're a vegan, Kevin, but no, that's cool. <laughs> is it carrot bacon? I don't know. No, but that's cool. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. If it, it feels like the we it, there's been times when we haven't been able to talk real because we're so become a press releases and press releases and we're not able to be like let's really talk, right? You know, because we're so risk averse, we don't want to get sued. It, everything goes through attorneys, so oh, man, it got to um, be off the record. I don't know. Sometimes you got to just yeah. get a drink of tequila and be like, all right, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> what is it? What is it? And what is it not? And yeah. let's hash that out. I feel you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well. We certainly appreciate um, your time, information, um, your presence. We got a speed round. We, we customary, we, we ask all our guests. Um, and so the, the first thing is a six-word vision for the community from you all. I'll model it. A community without poverty and racism. So you all, six-word vision for our community. Cool. Why is it so hard? I have. I think I have. All right, go. Four words. I think resource rich, collaboration rich. Period. More rich. Okay. There you go. Wait. So resource rich, collaboration rich, more pastries. Ah, yes. All right. That's the six. Oh, boom. Uh, What are you all currently reading? So many things. Oh my goodness. I'm currently rereading Emergent Strategy by Adrian Marie Brown and rereading uh, My Grandmother's Hands by Erasmus Medican. 
And I'm also reading Resma Medikin's book to prep for uh, somatic abolitionism training that we have coming up. And I mean, I talk about this with a couple people. You can't always be reading stuff to learn. So, I mean, can I say I'm reading a little Bridgerton sometimes? Just because. What is this? Bridgerton. Bridgerton. <laughs> Bridgerton. Is that a. Is that it's Shondaland on Netflix. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's a book. That's what it's based on. Right. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, if go. we want to throw our other reads in, I'm also currently heavy into cozy mysteries. Okay. Which are like mysteries, but with like a romance and a female lead protagonist who is always flitting about and getting in people's business. Reminds <laughs> me of someone I know. Hey, no, no judgment here. Uh, we just like to keep that reading train going. Um, and reading for joy is as important as reading for knowledge. And so, yeah, I just feel it, finish Harlem, Harlem Shuffle. By Colehead, uh, Colson Whitehead. Yeah. So Ooh. it's dope, super dope. Writing that down. Um, what did you have for dinner last night? Oh, I got so lucky. So I have, <laughs> um, <laughs> Jen knows I went to a friend of ours. Um, she's Filipino, her husband is Trini. Um, and I had roti, I had potato and chickpea curry, and I had macaroni and cheese pie and a slice of black cake. Um, and a glass of ginger-flavored sorrow. Wow, man. And it was the best Caribbean meal I've had in so long. You ate so much better than me yesterday. Uh. And I ate pretty good yesterday. Uh, My spouse made us steak for dinner. It was delicious. And I had rice. And Francis knows I always got rice at our house. Gotta do it. And, uh... And I think some greens of some kind, but yeah, it was it felt healthy, you know. There you it go. Good. There you go. Sweet cake or pie. Both. Okay. Oh. That's the. I, has that been? A, that's a first. Yeah, we haven't Both. had that yet. Yeah, because we did give you the either or, and there you go. Nah, if you can make cake in a pie crust, I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know what I'm thinking, but just feed me cake or pie. <laughs> Jen Hamos. Oh. Pie. All right. There you go. That's so Midwest of you. I know. Apple pie. I mean, apple pie with a lot of cinnamon. What's on your nightstand? Lip balm. Medication. um, Some, what else do I have? A CPAP machine. I have sleep apnea. um, And several books. And a box of tissues because I have allergies. I'm like tissue, a Himalayan salt lamp for that soft lighting, and probably a stack of 10 books. Um, I think other people experience this where you're like, I'm going to read this and yeah. I can't wait. But instead, I keep uh, on my phone sometimes on TikTok instead of reading. So there there's 10 books that make me look like I'm very well read. <laughs> <laughs> what is the most important thing you do to take care of yourself to show up for the work? Every day, I have an extended morning routine. Um, I'm, I spend like 30 minutes making breakfast every morning, and I sit and I drink my coffee and I eat my food, and it's the only thing I really do for myself like that, but I got to have like a whole breakfast spread, which includes like chopped up fruit, like eggs over easy, whole grain toast, some some sort of protein, usually like smoked salmon. Like I need, I have a whole spread and a whole thing I do every morning. 
I um, need to do something. So I have a two-year-old and a five-year-old, so I'm living in that season of life right now. So I have to do something where I'm alone, uh, where no one can talk to me. So it's swimming laps. I got to do it. And I <laughs> always will get ideas and call Frances or Emily, her co-director, and be like, yo, I was swimming. And I thought about this today. <laughs> so it's like, yo, I came up with this idea while I was slimming laps. I'm like, duh, like yeah. every time. But yeah, anywhere, like no one can come up when I'm doing that and be like, mommy, mommy, right. mommy. So it's there a nice go. little break. <laughs> there you go. Well, again, we want to thank you all. Um, sincerely appreciate your presence, your sharing of knowledge, collaborative spirit, the work you all are doing. Um, certainly plan to keep in touch and work with you all in the future. And yeah, yeah, many praises do. Mm-hmm. Both of you all. Thank you. Thank you. Can't Thank wait to you be back. Both. You'll invite me back. I know it's fine. No problem. <laughs> yeah, we'll get we'll get on a specific, very specific issue and then we'll have you back. Let's get it. Sweet. All right, episode 15 in the books. Thank you all.